Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about magic dust, awful birthdays, and Hook the Proud Stepdad. We love to see it. He's stepping into the role, and uh, I couldn't be happier for this uh, this newfound family, Abby. I, and by the way, very hot stepdad, by the way. He was looking absolutely choice in this episode i don't know if it was the backdrop of the woods that got it for me because like everything about what was happening an emo boy in the woods with a horse he's asking me to ride yes oh my god we had full pirates and ponies this was a a wattpad fan fiction fantasy and i loved it like uh, all the other stuff was problems (laughs) on problems on problems some lot of bad people making bad choices but at least we had a pony and a pirate Ah, and some character building that immediately gets taken away. Hooray! Hooray! But pirates, pirates and ponies, we'll just hang hang our little pirate hat on that. Please, that's all we've got. <laughs> well, everyone, we are talking about a Season 5, Episode 4, The Broken Kingdom. This episode was directed by Ulrich Riley, a not really fam- a super familiar name, haven't seen them with a lot of episodes, written by David Goodman and Jerome Schwartz, who have written for Once Upon a Time before. And you could see a little bit of, there was there was some changes and some choices in this episode, I think, that made it kind of stand apart a little bit. Uh, and I, I thought overall it was pretty good. I thought some of the, you know, narrative choices were, you know, morally questionable, but I'm okay with that. And I actually thought the stuff with uh, Lancelot and Guinevere for the truncated timeline they gave us to explore it, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I I didn't hate it. I think it. my opinion of this is very colored by the... Um... We'll, we'll just call it the very, very upsetting MacGuffin. <laughs> like, it's just a, it's just bad. And it's a confusing, like, why is there so much of this sand? Because it looks like there's not much. Um, and then why does it work exactly the way he thinks it does, even though he just learned about it? It doesn't matter. Th- that, I think, really, uh, it, it weighted it against it in my favor, I guess. But there were some choices that I liked. I do like the bait and switch. We were, we were brought along for a ride. And we're like, wow, they're so dumb. But then they weren't dumb. But then they but, were dumb. But then they were dumb. So it's like, it was good. It was just, you're right. Very truncated in some spots. Good in others. It was fine. Yes. 
All right, well, we are going to go ahead and uh, jump into the past. Uh, we have young Arthur and Guinevere. They are children in the broken kingdom of Camelot, which means it's a tiny village in the woods. For so long in this episode, I'm like, he's a king now. Why is he still in this rinky-dinky village? And then they explained it by the end, so it, it made sense to me. But like when it was like, it's like, it's her birthday, why is she having it amongst the peasants? I So we open it up, right? So it's like, it's just this little rinky dink as you explained, whatever. And Arthur, little young Arthur is just like, I will be the king of all of this. It's like, it's three houses. She's like, cool. That's great. Uh, fun note, the girl that plays young Guinevere, uh, the actor who plays Roland's sister. Really? And apparently, according to the wiki uh, that I was reading, they didn't know that when they cast her, which is confusing, <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, but they're, he's like, I will bring, uh, is the sword of the stone? I will do it. And like, it's there. And then all of a sudden, like these very large bullies show up. I love small town bullies. They're all the same. They're all seven feet tall, linebacker sized. And just, I will show my dominance by pushing you down and making you feel as little tiny as possible. It kind of checks out because this uh, this bully's acting skills kind of felt like a uh, the the linebacker on the high school football team who needed a little extra credit. And so he got, and there are no boys in the theater program. So he got roped into playing a supporting lead and did not do great. <laughs> just like, listen, listen, we, we need you to do that. We're going to have you go. And we're just going to have you push him. Uh, but no, 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 we're going to stage push him. Stop really pushing him. <laughs> Please. Okay, now he's bleeding. Um, yeah, I always love... It's it's one of my favorite things about child actors is that you can see usually how their coaching has either failed or succeeded them. And yeah, anyway. Well, he wasn't really a child actor. The bully looked full on 19 years old. Uh, well, listen, in Hollywood, that means he's seven. He's <laughs> like an adult man. With a with a bro haircut, just mocking a young boy. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a small town. He never, after he graduated, he never moved. Mm. As most small town people peaked. He's talking to it as Al Bundy stat. I threw four touchdowns one time. Or I caught four touchdowns. I forget what it is. Um, you know, and he's like, why would I leave? I'm the king here. But he's not the king. He's just like the tallest one there. It kind of checks out because in the opening shot, you see, you see a couple of them in the back just kicking around a giant ball. Like yeah, they're just, all playing soccer, football in the back. There's not much going on, and I keep saying school as if there was some sort of like uh, teaching structure of some sort in this like sad little town they lived in. But Arthur is determined that he will be the one that pulls the sword from the stone, and the bullies are just like, "You nerd! You're not gonna pull this from the stone because you're such a dork." Uh, smash cut to him like pulling out the broken sword um, because Merlin who has been in the tree this whole time mm -hmm. told Arthur that he was going to pull the sword from the stone so yeah. it's like Merlin set him on the path and that's a very important piece of this because Arthur's obsession is about both proving Merlin right and proving him wrong yeah, like, I'm going to prove you right, but I'm so super mad at you for what you've done. Ar Arthur has so much baggage. Mm. All cooked into one small person. Like, he's mad about a thousand things. 
and it's hard to get a hold of all of them. And you're just like, my man, you need to just chill. And so now one of his new pieces of baggage. So he was put on this quest and now he's mad because he has half a sword. So he becomes obsessed with fixing his sword. So then poor Guinevere, he, there's a big party for her and it's going to be so wonderful and great. But he's like in his tower. (laughs) It's like, I will solve this. Look, there's three symbols. I haven't figured out what they mean yet. I'll be out in a second when I've solved this very huge piece of a puzzle. It should be any second now. You go out and have fun. Apparently, the the language on the scroll was was Welsh. So, uh, apparently, I mean, you'd think that Welsh would be part of his education program, but we've also very well established this village with three uh, little, you know, public houses probably didn't have a robust education system. Probably not. Um, so <laughs> she goes out to dance. And she's like, he'll be out in a second because she's just trying to believe. She's just trying to believe. Uh, but then Lancelot comes out. He's like, hey, girl, I'll dance with you. And so they dance and then they have their very quick, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, information about them and where they're at in the world get happens during this dance. And you basically find out that she knows that Arthur didn't plan any of this at all. Uh, it all happens in about two lines that I think is funny where she's like, I know Arthur didn't plan this one single second. Well, you're not denying it. So it's true. Mm, I'm true. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's flowers. It's the, what's the flower called? It's like middle. Um, I have it. I have it here. Um, middle West or. The middle mist. Middle mist. Okay. And so that's a big thing. This is a big point. And if I, if I was reading the wiki, right, it comes into play a couple more times or at least is like set dressing at some point. Yes. Um, and so, yes. Yeah, so the middle is, is our favorite flower. So now it's like. It's implied that, uh, or implied or explicitly stated, I don't know, that Lancelot basically planned this party. Which, how funny would that be? Where you're just like, the night of the round table, you need to be my, like, whatever. You're just planning parties for my wife. You need to plan a party. Okay, I'll plan the best party ever. Like, this has such a, like, love triangle, YA, uh, romantic trope thing to it that I loved. Which is, I I think, what... Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's why I kind of bought into a hook, line, and sinker. And I'm like, I love this. I, I think he didn't need to have planned the party. Like, him planning the party makes a lot less sense than him just knowing that Arthur is a dick and him coming to comfort her and make her feel better and invite her to dance because he knows Arthur is uh, ignoring her. I'm, I'm, it was, it was a little vague. So I'm in my head canon just going to be like, he wasn't saying he planned, he wasn't saying he helped plan the party. He just, she's just thanking him for paying attention to her as Arthur should have been doing. That's, I know it's probably not what they're doing, but that's what I'm doing. But, but what's funnier about that is when you remember the seat that he takes up at the round table and we discussed this last week, it's the seat in which you are destined to to find the holy grail like the ultimate warrior of destiny and you're planning a party for your piece of shit king (laughs) (laughs) this this man this is my knight he will go on to perform he has a destiny in which he sits in a very fancy chair it's important anyway he's off to pick up the balloon order because she needed a balloon arch 
But maybe the holy grail is love. <laughs> holy grails of friends we made along the way. Oh, Guinevere this- was the true holy grail. Arthur Cus could not see it because he was so consumed with his greatest weakness because we need that gauntlet to come back. Oh, yeah. So he, So Arthur comes running out. And he's like, I figured it out. Look, I figured it out. It's And then he just starts extrapolating. Uh, it's in the vault of the dark one. I will go, but I can't. And again, this is all the very like romantic love triangle situation stuff that starts happening. He's like, I shall go and finish my quest. And Crunch's like, well, obviously I'm coming with you. He's like, no, you, you are my... You are my greatest possession or something. He says something weird, kind of strange. And he's like, you must stay here. I could not I could not afford to lose you on the trail. I don't want to do that. So I will leave you here with my most trusted knight and party planner. Uh, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> like, don't worry about this. I'm going to leave this this very strapping young man with my wife uh, while I disappoint her continuously. See you later. What what could go wrong? Oh, what could go right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because Arthur is clearly going to the wrong place. We know he's going to the wrong place because he can't read Welsh. So uh, Guinevere, she can read Welsh. And she also knows where this magic gauntlet is that can take someone to their greatest weakness. What's Arthur's greatest weakness? It's that damn dagger. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. uh, It's not. It's not her. Could you imagine like you're like, maybe maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe he's doing this to impress me. I hope the gauntlet points at me. And it doesn't. You're like, Damn it. It's like it's like a Ouija board where you know you you know one of the people holding the holding the thing is definitely making yeah. it move, and you're just like you put the gauntlet on yourself, and you're like, uh, uh, just flip flipping that flipping that finger toward you, and uh, oh look, it's, like see, a, it's me, I'm the weakness. It's like a dad with a stud finder. Boop 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 boop. <laughs> oh, found one. <laughs> oh, see, I do that joke to Tim a. Every time we pull out the stun fighter, he's totally sick of it, but I will still do it every single time. Oh, it's it's such a great joke. It is so uh, good. Is, it, never, it never gets tiring. Um, so they go on this mission. They find a door. Well, I'm sorry. First, they find the Vault of the Dark One. And the Vault of the Dark One, they, they, they boop, 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 boop in the little symbols. And they go into the big door that opens up. I think my favorite thing that Lancelot does in this whole episode, and he does it, I believe, twice, is that every time they go through strange doors, he he politely closes it behind him. <laughs> like, I was just like, don't close it, man. You don't know if it's going to lock and disappear. Like, it's just, what do you do? But he's always just like, we've got to close the door. <laughs> like, I'm not buying, I'm not paying for the air in here. we got to close the door. <laughs> um, so they go through, they get into the vault of the Dark One, um, and then what appears to be the dark one curse or something akin to it starts circling Lancelot and Guinevere in a boss babe move grabs a torch and stabs it. And she's like, hell no, absolutely not. I'm not going to stand here while this is happening. And then it runs away because it doesn't like fire. And if only have... Emma had had a, had a torch nearby. Yeah, I thought about that. And cause I had the same kind of weird little snippy thought, but wouldn't it have just gone to somebody else anyway? Like it would have then jumped back to Regina or something. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. and I'm just, I don't know why it was both outside Rumple and inside Rumple because Rumple's there. So yeah. what, what, is this just like the residual? Is this just like a little bonus darkness? Is this the yeah. dark boar sidekick energy? What's happening? Yeah, this is like, this is like some of the curse, but it's just like a, a, a ring alarm system. Like, <laughs> uh, 
It's or or like or like a rumple. He could take some of it out of himself just to get a little bit of a break. It's like hanging your laundry out, you know, when it's wet. You just yeah, gotta hang yeah, it outside yeah. to dry. Cause just gotta, you know, just just take a little, just take a thirty percent of the darkness. I just I just need a little bit of extra space. Rumple, you smell amazing. Thank you. I air dried my my dark curse outside, and now it smells like sunshine. <laughs> a little bit like pollen, though. So I had to take a Zyrtec. It was kind of weird outside today. Uh, then uh, Gwen and Lancelot have a little moment. They go, little kissies. And they so say cute. it's never going to happen again, which technically it doesn't, except in our imaginations, in no, which it's happening it was, all the time. It was so cute, though, because it was just one of those, like, you're having that moment of just being like, I don't know what the hell just happened to us, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to, we're going to kiss. And then it's a, okay, that didn't happen. We're not, we're never going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So then they go through another strange door. Lancelot closes it politely. <laughs> uh, do we want to go into what they find on the... Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. So they go in. The sword or the dagger is there. And then they have a conversation. Because it, it's in like a... It's in like a cage thing. Like it's I on think a pedestal. It was, I think it was designed to look like the dark swirl thing. Okay. Because it's like on a pedestal but like mm-hmm. covered in stuff. And it does look like you could just reach your hand in. And they go to reach their hands in and a, pfft, they get blown back. And then Rumpel appears. Again, confused as to when this timeline is. Because at a certain point, there's like a five years before title card. And it's confusing. <laughs> like, when did this happen? Like, when is Rumpel showing up for this? Yeah, because it's supposed to be... it. Yeah, I think that this was a bit of a goof. Because it should be five years before the curse. Five yeah. year, or like five years before the dark curse. So it says the the on the Wikipedia, it says the Camelot flashback scenes focusing on the hunt for the dagger take place 33 years before the events with the group from Storybrooke. Three oh. years before the casting of the Dark's Curse and Apsley. They just shouldn't have put five years before five years later. Just have it be many years. We don't care. We don't need that. Just say the past. Yeah. It's okay. happened in the past. I, yeah, the five years later just super confused me. So anyway, so Rumpel shows up. And he's talking about how, like, oh, well, we could put this thing together. But that would be too easy. So instead, I'm going to introduce this into the fold and make things way worse. Uh, <laughs> and here's, here is, he's like, this damn gauntlet. He's like, how about this? And it's this little vial, this little red vial um, of the sands of Avalon. And then there's like this weird conversation that I watched twice and I still basically don't understand. <laughs> He's like, this isn't going to fix the sword, but it will fix hearts. So this, this should be fine, right? Yeah. So what the impression that I got from it was that it's an illusion spell. It's not actually fixing anything. Like he uses quotation marks fix because it's not actually repairing anything. It's just a mask. It's an illusion. It's fake. It's, it's putting some plaster, some really cheap plaster over a, a bullet hole in the wall. Like the bullet hole is still there. The damage has been done. You're, you're not repairing it. You're just masking it. And so I think what he was saying is like, oh, well, you can pr- make it look like the sword is fixed. And for everyone, they'll be fooled to think it's fixed, but it's not fixed. So it won't fix a broken heart. 
But it will put that plaster over it, so everyone thinks it's fixed. Ah, oh, it's Abby Spackle. I get it. It's, get it, it is it. it is Abby Spackle, but in the worst way. Because yeah. Abby Spackle's great. This Abby is Spackle's a tragedy. Used for good. The Abby yes. Spackle is used for good. Um, I would, and I don't have this in front of me, and if I start looking it up, I'm going to get distracted. I would like to know if air quotes, by the way, are an anachronism at this moment. Like, do they use quotation marks in, is, is, that, a, is that a way that things are written? Are, do quote like do when people say stuff are there quotes around it in like writing because like most people don't read at this moment like in the the you know what i mean like she's royal so she'd have understood it right but like i mean but rumble's also in a time outside of time and he can see the future so maybe he sees a future where people communicate with quotation marks and so he's just brought that back with them and guinevere has no idea what he's he doing he just thinks it's some sort of like weird hand so i'm just like okay and she starts using it like joey and friends where he's just using it wrong constantly um, so she takes the sands, the sands of Avalon. Fun fact, Avalon is where the island in which Excalibur is forged. I like looking stuff up now, uh, for just like this Arthur stuff. Um, cause they do put a lot of these little weird little Easter eggs. Cause the sands of Avalon, not like a thing, but Avalon is where Excalibur was forged. So like which, that's. Which kind of makes it interesting that this is essentially he's being like, this is where Excalibur will be faked. Like instead, you know, instead of it being where it's fixed, it's where it's pretend play time. So they go home. And as they're walking back, Arthur is like (laughs) staring down because apparently he went out to go find it and did not find it. Uh, But when he got home, his best friend and his wife were missing. Always a bad sign. And so he's just like staring out the window all mad and he sees them say goodbye to each other and he's big mad. And she gets up there. And they have a conversation about how, you know, it's stupid and they don't want to. She's like, I don't. This is dumb. I have this, though. (laughs) Like, it falls apart very quickly. Her whole plan falls apart very quickly because they start fighting. And he, like, takes the sands from her and then uses it on her. And I don't like it. No, this is, this is, Arthur might be the most effed up villain on Once Upon a Time so far. I don't know if we get worse. We, we've we had, in terms of, how do I word this? He feels like he has full-on incel, toxic 4chan energy in that he's just a, a man with huge insecurity issues who feels the world owes him something. And to do so, he controls everyone around him, in particular, the woman in his life and he tries to control and manipulate her into becoming the woman he thinks she should be who obeys and listens to his every command because the first thing she's saying is like i wasn't supportive enough i need to help you follow your dreams your dreams are more important than me i hate it (laughs) i hate it i think i was just like oh no it's because i was like oh it's gonna it's gonna like fix quote unquote you know her broken heart but by fixing her broken heart, she was suddenly just like, I was too focused on my own career. I was so selfish. <laughs> but like, yeah, you're right, though. He does have like an incel with megalomania. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, so he's just like, it's so great. It's so great. And she's now suddenly like a glassy eyed fembot. Like, just like, yes, I will support you and everything. It's amazing. Thank you for everything you've done to me. He's like, you know what we should do? We should take this one gram 
of uh, milligrams, sorry, of uh, of dust, and I'm gonna like blow it out the window onto my onto Camelot, and it's gonna make us a castle. It's gonna make us a castle, and then make everybody like super into Camelot. Yeah, because this is like he is he is essentially brainwashing everyone and everything around him. He is creating a false a false kingdom. You know, yeah. his it's still broken. He's just creating the illusion that things are fixed. So would you consider this more brainwashing or drugged? Or is it both? Because both are terrible. Yeah, I'm going to go with both. Because it's like, it, they're not fully, I don't know. I guess drugged, yes. But like, usually drugged implies a bit of, uh, lethargy i guess you know what i mean like you'd be drugged until you weren't quite you're still there like usually when people are drugged they're still kind of present but like if you're brainwashed because you were drugged you now believe completely different things so basically they're cursed yeah yeah because that's that's basically what's going to happen later is the same sort of situation where it's just like they're still acting like themselves but whatever they've been giving them is controlling their thoughts in a way which it's wild how it works exactly the way he wants it to work because you would think that it was like okay i'm gonna mend your broken heart like wouldn't it be wouldn't it be hilarious and make no sense narratively like if you tried to mend gwen's heart and and she was just like oh my heart is healed i want a divorce like she's like <laughs> she's she's gotten that far in the breakup process where her heart actually isn't broken anymore. She's just fully accepted it and now is moving on. I'm moving out. I'm moving in with Lancelot. Well, I think for Charming and Snow, which we'll talk about uh, momentarily, I think it was amending uh, the broken trust. Or yes, again, but not even mending it. It's creating the illusion. It is. It's it's very messed up, and one of the worst parts about it. In it just for for just for optics, is Guinevere gave him the choice, and then he took the choice away from her. Yeah, he did not do her the same courtesy because she got it with the intention of pretending she'd fix the sword to make him feel better, to soothe his ego. But she realized that truth is the better option, no matter how painful it is. She doesn't want to lie to her husband. He didn't care about uh, reciprocating that back to her. No. Very Stepford Wives. Yeah. Yeah. Very selfish. Very selfish. So that's the past. That is the past. 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 Camelot is looking gorge and beautiful, but it is all a lie. But you know who doesn't care? Charming. Because he's doing great. (laughs) I've got... The chair, I've got the trust of King Arthur. He's making jokes about his beard. We're so close, we're best friends forever. Oh. I do like the beard joke. The beard joke made me laugh. No, there's there's some there's some funny lines and funny moments. And and charming did legit make me like I sent I sent Abby a text that just said charming you fuckhead <laughs> because when when I thought he was first doing the betrayal thing, but then there was a second betrayal. Well. In Camelot, we've got two things happening. First, let's go ahead and talk about the the pirates and the ponies. Because Emma's having a bad time. Rumple, the embodiment of the Dark One, 
he's everywhere. Voices in her head, voices here, voices there. When he first mentions the voices, I thought it was people wanting to make deals with her. That's what I thought too. And then I was disappointed. So it's just like, no, it's just the call of the dagger. That damn stupid dagger. Can we just repair, just repair it with Excalibur so you don't have to think about it anymore? Because that'd be super. Yeah, wouldn't that just then make her queen? Like, just, it's mine now. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. That'd be hysterical. Queen Dark uh, but One? I had the same thought. I was just like, oh, it's one of those like, um, oh no, what's that Jim Carrey movie where he becomes God? Um, you know that Bruce movie? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Like the same thing where he hears all the prayers and stuff. Like, I thought that that's what was happening. And I'm like, that's wild. All these people are just like, Dark One. Dark One. I want to win the lottery. Dark One. <laughs> Dark One. Dark One. I will sell you uh, my, my cows for magic beans, please. Thank you. Well... The ghost of Rumple, the spirit of Rumple, the, the the demon on her shoulder leads her to the location of the dagger. Emma reaches out to grab it, but we get a same whoosh thing that we got with the uh, with it in the other sacred place. She can't grab it, and out of frustration, she throws a golden light ball. I don't know what this was. This was a weird effect that didn't match any effects we've ever seen on the show. Does not match Dark One powers. I didn't understand this. It looked like she, honestly, it looked like she was just throwing urine. <laughs> Big ball maybe, of urine at Hook's head. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's just her magic is in transition. Mm. Like it's going from being light to dark, which is why she hasn't fully, like, since she hasn't fully embraced it, her magic doesn't know what to present itself as. It's just like, I, well, I'm not light and I'm not dark. So I guess I'm pee water. <laughs> Her magic is throwing a fit. No, fine, fine. You don't. You want to use me? Fine. I'm gonna be disgusting. Fine. I don't care. Gross. Narrowly misses Hook's head. Hook comes in looking dashing and debonair oh, in this whole episode. Love it. The Colin in this episode was just like, I'm the hot boyfriend with a horse. I've got horse boy powers. I'm going to use them to their full potential because that's all I'm here for in this episode. And I love it. He, like they knew what they were doing. Because again, and we're not going to get like into like the spoiler territory here of like stuff that's happening later. But I will just say, I'm noticing now that they're setting it up to be like up down the road. Like, well, we're going to make him hotter than you've ever seen. He's going to be the perfect partner. He's going to be amazing. It's fine. We're not doing it for any reason. Don't worry about it. And when you juxtapose it with how angry he is elsewhere, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in the, you know, once Emma's fully embraced the dark one is how rage induced he is. And that gets so exhausting. I love this. I'm oh, just like, it's. And because, you know, like, even if I, I don't even know, because <laughs> listening to our old episodes would probably make me want to crawl out of my own skin. Um <laughs> Out of secondhand embarrassment for our early podcasts. Um, but I, I wonder if we were even speculating if we knew what happened. Like, because, like, I I know we th- know something happened, but I don't know if we knew to what extent it was. Yeah, I, I, I imagine we were speculating on what reason Emma would have to go dark. Like, what, 
she was telling everyone that they failed. So my feeling at the time, I believe, was that how did they fail her? What did they do? How did they betray her to King Arthur or something like that? And that's kind of what threw her over the edge. But that's, you know, true villain origin story thing. That's not really the case. We're getting a little bit of fake outs here. Yeah. But alas, we do need to have perfect boyfriend powers. Perfect boyfriend with the perfect boyfriend horse. Because we need that juxtaposition. And you know what? Yes, more of that. So Emma's Emma's feeling so weak and so overwhelmed from Rumpel just kind of glancing in the corner of her eye. Uh, it's very It Follows. It's always there. Uh, she can't speak. She's comatose. She's laying on the ground. She's, she's, she's wailing back and forth. She cannot cope. So they're like, you know what she needs? A pony. Henry is like, I know a perfect place. I know a place. I like I like that she was all just like just having like a like a sad girl moment where she's fully awake and she's just like, I can't. And like they're all having this like really big conversation. And Regina was like, you know what? This might not be great for the person teetering on the edge of a mental breakdown. Maybe let's get her out of the room before we continue yelling at each other. Good for you, Regina. Thank you for being an advocate. Uh, because that is why they then go on their horse girl uh, and boy and then Henry having a crush adventure. Yes. And, and that's just, that's one of two times Regina does a good power, a, a good ally power move. She's very supportive in this episode and we love it. So Henry takes uh, Hook and Emma out into the woods. They're walking for a very long time, which doesn't seem like the best thing to do for Emma in her condition. But alas, she still looks good. So we're fine. And it's to a barn. It's a horse stable. It doesn't seem like the most relaxing place to hang out because it's just where horses sit. But, you know, that doesn't really seem like a great place to go take a nap, to go lie down. But it's the only place no, Henry knows. <laughs> it's, no, it smells there. <laughs> it smells and they don't have like beds or benches guess she can lay down in the straw but that's not what it's about it's about going to go ride a pony and henry and then emma's like how do you know about this place oh um so um this is violet it's a girl it's her she has it it's, i don't know it's whatever it's like so stupid like whatever it's like so stupid like- it's like whatever like if you stand over there like you don't have to even come in but you can like see in and i can like see her take care of the horses without like bothering her like it's not weird um but i can see her <laughs> it's like what's happening and then through the rest of the scene we have two very different people reacting to henry's crush on violet and violet giving her props cuz she she doesn't play around she's like Let's go riding horses. I'll get your heart rate pumping. Girl, you're a teenager, but okay. Girls reading books she shouldn't be reading right now. Like, <laughs> oh, she, oh she yeah. Was, she was in the wrong part of the library, started reading the books, and now she can't stop. And now she's got a little more advanced than she she knows what to do with. Um, hysterical. Yeah, so, so, because also Canterbury Tales, the, the raunchy parts. Mm. It's just like Henry is just standing there just like. Oh my god! <laughs> like the sauciest thing I'm gonna guess Henry has ever seen is Han Solo kiss Leia. Like, yeah, this was this was Henry had no idea what he was in for. He is a teenage boy, completely out of his depth, 
but that's fun and I love it. Hey, and then do you, you wanna, <laughs> oh. do you want to go? Do you want to go get your heart rate pumping? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna go meet your dad? No, dumbass. We're getting on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Emma and Hook. Emma is is mom fuming slash dark one fuming. She is she is protective. She's in full like protection mode. Hook is he is overjoyed he is the proud step papa that henry needs in his life and he's like he's like it's so cute when the two of them are like glazing you know glancing over the barn you know the stall door as henry's talking to violin emma's like fuming with her dark one face and then hook is just beaming he's just like yes get it i'm so proud of you He's just like, good for you. She is a cutie. Let's I'm proud of him. It's like Emma is just having like her really toxic boy mom moment of just being like, no, no, she's not good enough. Henry, get back in here. She can't cook. She don't know anything. Get in here. She can't take care of you. It's like, Emma, Emma, Emma. <laughs> yes. So Henry heads out with Violet to go ride horses. Yes, big and air quotes, big air quotes. Big, big air quotes on this one. We don't know what they are yet back in these olden times, but we're still going to use them. And then Hook's like, I, 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 can, I can do one up. Let's go do the exact same thing. Wink. Which I think that Emma should have like read that as like another warning sign that what is her son up to? <laughs> but anyway, so Hook takes her out riding and gets her heart pumping on the horse. I'm not going to elaborate on this because it can get gross really fast. And that's what Wattpad's for. And Emma, for a brief moment, is freed from the gri- gri- grip of Rumple. And for a brief moment, so are we all. And the world is better for it. I, I, I just think it's funny that like his intention was, look, we got away from everything. We rode a horse. We're in the woods. It's fine. Like, and I, I don't think this is what they were trying to do, and this is just me projecting on it, but it's just like, having a, exercising out in the woods is not going to cure her depression. Like, she needs an actual fix, but this was fine for a little temporary fix. Uh, I just thought it was funny where it was just like, oh, are you, are you having a bad time? Are you having some mental health struggles? Perhaps going outside. Have you considered activities? It's like, no, I hadn't. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Yeah, Cause... once upon a time is anything if not, let me rephrase. Uh, it's not a show I would trust to accurately and appropriately handle mental health issues. So it doesn't surprise me that this is exactly what they would do without even realizing they're doing it. Once upon a time where your therapist will accost you in the street. <laughs> yes. You know, like you're doing too good. Um, yeah, so they go out, but I, again, much like mental health, if you go and you try to, try to ignore it with, with adrenaline highs, um, it, it comes back. It does come back. It comes back. And it's not good. Like, cause it follows. It follows. It follows you everywhere. You can't outrun it. You can't outrun the sads. Stupid sads. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, while that is happening, while Emma is getting uh, the ride of her life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you just said it so disappointed, but proud. I was, it disapp- was a strange way to. <laughs> I was disappointed in myself 
for that line, but I didn't have anything else to say, and so I said it anyway. So there it is. Meanwhile, Charming is hanging out with King Arthur, and they've got a quest. They need to reunite Excalibur with the Dark One dagger in order to save Emma, in order to save them all. David is like, hey, I have the dagger. We have the dagger. We've been keeping it secret from Arthur this whole time. Why don't we just give it to him? And this whole thing will be fixed and everything will be great. And we'll all be buds around the round table where I get to sit now because I'm super cool and important. It's bad. And Snow is just, no, that's not happening. Because my buddy Lancelot, not actually dead. He tricked Cora. Don't worry about the details. We're not going to think about that. He's still alive. He's back in Camelot. He said Arthur is a butt. And I trust him. He married us. You should trust him too. And David is like, yeah, but this guy gave me a chair. And it's a really good chair. And he makes me feel important. I'm a big a nice boy. Chair. I'm a very nice big boy. I'm the biggest boy. I'm so, I'm a man. I'm a man. And I'm going to trust my bros. I would like to point out, by the way, Snow, the thing that Snow wears around her head, like the headband situation, mm-hmm. I love this on her. She looks so cute. She does. She looks good in this episode. And I also wanted to point out Guinevere's, like, exploration outfit with her little ponytail. She looked fantastic as well. There, there were some great costuming uh, makeup and hair work in this episode. Snow's hair looked beautiful in this whole episode. And it's nice to see her in the old-timey garbs with her short hair, because I imagine that wig is heavy and cumbersome and annoying. Oh, and just probably very hot. Oh, yes. So Charming and Snow start to have a couple's fight. We've all been there. And... Snow asks Regina to give him a little space. And this is Regina's other gray ally moment without a word. She doesn't even walk out the room. She whooshes out of the room like a queen. I loved it. She's just like, okay, <laughs> I got to go. This you is don't awkward need to tell now. her twice. She's just nope. like, I cannot sit here and listen to you guys bicker. I, I need to go pace in a different room for a while. <laughs> So Mary Margaret gets real with with Charming and is like, you need to trust me more than you're trusting Arthur. Right now, Arthur is giving you little toys and little presents. And so you're thinking he's cool. He's not cool. I'm your wife. And this it is kind of a parallel with the past stuff where Guinevere, as Arthur's wife, is going to him and being like, you need to trust me and you need to support me. And you're not doing that. Arthur inevitably fails to do that. At first, we think Charming's going to repeat the same pattern, don't we? I'd like to point out that what Arthur is doing is called love bombing. Yet another tool of a narcissist. What is, uh, would you mind uh, elaborate that a little bit? I'm not too familiar with Love bombing? Mm -hmm. Love bombing is when, so it's a tool used by narcissists, usually. uh, But basically, like, if you're in a relationship with somebody, like, casually, romantically, or anything... Uh, in order to kind of like um, just like break down a lot of your boundaries and your borders and stuff, they just they they overwhelm you with gifts and love and shows of affection. Um, 
um, I, I've, I've seen it used in terms of like, uh, like domestic abuse situations where like you're with an abuser and so they love bomb you and that's how they like reset your brain a little bit. But it's also, it can be in a less severe kind of situation where it's mm. just somebody who they don't treat you right. But every once in a while, they just shower you with gifts and your words of affirmation and they're just there and they love you and they're texting you and they're calling you. It's so much that you can't process it. And it's a way for them to take control of the situation. Um, it was br It's brought up a lot with uh, current Kanye stuff aside with the Kim, uh, Pete Davidson, Kanye stuff. Kanye mm. would love bomb Kim of just being like, I love you and I love you so much. Like public displays of affection and sending lots of stuff and being the perfect dad for like 10 minutes and then being a piece of shit for six months and then coming back and trying again. Like it's a, it's a weird cycle. Mm. So that's what love bombing is. Interesting. I'm sure I could have explained it better, uh, no, but that, that's kind of what it is. So No, and that, that kind of checks out because it's it, it also has that vibe of like, oh, no, baby, please. It's just this one last yeah. mission, and then I'm going to yeah. be with you forever. But you can also trust me because I'm giving you the highest honor of a chair I probably named a minute ago. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something that's great about it. And I'm go we're going to go on an adventure and I'm going to say it's the bravest thing I've ever seen. Like, build him up as much as he can to get to build a false trust. Charming, you're getting love bombed. Damn it, Charming. It's, it's bad. If you so, would go to Hopper, you'd know this. <laughs> at first, we think Charming's bought into it because he goes to see Arthur and Guinevere and he tells them, we've got the dagger. We've been keeping it from you this whole time. And here it is. And let's make this, let's fix this whole thing. I want to, I want to make my daughter happy. I want to make my daughter whole again. All that great fun stuff. I was fuming because he sold it. And it did not, this seemed like something Charming would 100% do in this moment. It follows the character, uh, character track of him making the really wrong selfish decisions because he thinks he knows best when he does not. Yeah, this scene hurt. <laughs> like, I was like, I was, I was so mad. I was like, oh, because I don't remember. He said something that just made my blood boil. And, but it was just one of those, oh, it was something along the lines of, you know, other people told me not to trust you, but like, I got you, bro. It's fine. And I was just wanting to just like throw something irrationally. I'm like, what is this logic? I'm so happy. It wasn't real. Yes, because uh, David opens up the, uh, the, 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 the box that the dagger was being kept in, but oh no, it's not <gasps> there. Oh no! Because we get the first of many surprises in this one tiny little condensed storyline. The first one is that Mary Margaret has taken the dagger and she takes it over to Lancelot, who is hiding at Granny Steiner. And it's so funny to me because he looks so out of place. Well, like I like the idea that, like after like during last week's episode, when she's like trying to get Neil to stop crying and like finding out that somebody that she thought was dead is still alive, and he's just like, I can't go back in there. Okay, so what you're gonna want to do is you're gonna want to go out of here and take like two rights into the woods. You're gonna see this like little diner. There's gonna be no one in it. Hide in the back with the mops. I'll come find you. And then he's like, What's a mop? <laughs> What's a mop? 
What's a diner? What's a diner? Okay, so you're going to see like a really strange shaped building. Going to kind of look like an outhouse. Do they have outhouses? Or were they just having... No, they probably just had chamber pots. Yeah. And, and ditches. Just and like ditches, troughs. Just troughs. Just troughs okay, in so, the woods. Yeah, so the whole thing must have just been like him walking in there and having like his Jack Skellington moment. What's this? What's this? So, yeah, so she brings the uh, dagger to Lancelot, and they're going to head over to uh, the same Dark One vault that they found before in order to return it to this protective place. And da, 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 they head down. They're, they're repeating the same track we saw before. They head to this secret garden thing that Snow recognizes as the one from her vision when Emma tears out her heart. I thought it was she, she was going to say, I recognize this as Neverland, and then Peter Pan was going to show up. <laughs> I was ready for it. I wanted it so bad. It made no sense, but I wanted it. It was like, wait a minute, I know this place, and a lost boy just appears. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would it would track that Rumple would store the, the dagger in a place like Neverland. But I guess probably not, because he wouldn't want his dad to get a hold of it. Yeah, but I don't think this is a place that Rumpel designed. This is the this is a path from the Vault of the Dark One. So like In Neverland, not. where you never grow up, the dagger will never grow, will never age, will never die. Uh the original dark I know we figure out what the original Dark One was, but I just like the idea, like, could you imagine like a Dark One being one of the Lost Boys? Oh my god. <gasps> oh, it's all connected. <sighs> well, just-, just an absolute off the chain eight year old with a dagger. <laughs> Just the containment of all evil. Anyway. All right. So just as they're about to put the dagger into the area and we're getting these weird fake, they're trying to fake us out so much of what, should we trust Arthur? Should we trust Lancelot? Lancelot's being super sketchy in this whole episode. Very cagey because we're not supposed to know who to trust like 14 times. But it turns out Lancelot was the good guy. Arthur is the betrayer. And he's like, I need to make Excalibur so I can control your daughter and make her do evil things for me. We're going to murder Merlin. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. I loved his monologue. It was so unhinged. (laughs) It was wild. It's like, finally, I can control your daughter. I watched it twice again because it was so funny. He's like, I can control your daughter. And I will make her forge Excalibur whole. And then I will free Merlin. And the last thing he sees before his dumb face dies is me running him through with this sword. And he's just like in... I think what makes it extra special funny to me is where they're standing. It is noon in this very picturesque not even woodsy like it doesn't have like the woods where like the horse riding situation is happening it's like a woods jungle like very very colorful a lot of flowers very just like maybe fairies live here kind of situation and he's just having the most awful things spewing from him and every they do like a long shot on him like from up above and he's standing there no one's nearby and just Snow and Lancelot are just staring at him like, whoa, that's, that's a lot, man. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I, I completely understand what they were what they were going for with Arthur, the motivation they were giving him. This was a man obsessed with his own failed greatness, a prophecy that was put on him, 
a delusion of grandeur that has yet to be fulfilled, and he has become obsessed over the years and decades. And I don't think this needed to be stretched out into more than one episode. I think one episode to explain this is fine. I just feel like more of the episode should have been dedicated to it. Like, if Once Upon a Time had had the guts to dedicate one whole episode to Arthur's descent into madness and then just show us a little snippet at the end instead of having the split thing like we always do, I feel like we could have really got into Arthur's psyche even more than we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know why they did it the way they did because we all knew he was bad for longer than I think we should have. Mm. So... You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like this was some grand reveal. The biggest reveal is that he's going to free Merlin to kill Merlin, uh, which is interesting. It, yeah, it's not the reveal that's the most interesting thing. The most interesting thing is the how and the why. Why yeah. did this happen? How did this happen? And I think if we'd had a little bit more time to dedicate to that, we would also kind of felt more for Guinevere's pain for how f- fucked up the whole situation is. But alas... You think Arthur is about to get the upper hand. Oh, no. He gets the dagger. Oh, no. He summons the dark one. Oh, no. And then Mary Margaret with the most nonchalant, just perfect little, perfect little smug face goes, it's not real, dummy. It's a fake. Are you, are you done? Okay, so the dagger's not real. Like, she's just done with it. She's like, I've been waiting to tell you this, but then you just kept talking. So. (laughs) I've just been, like, standing here. Like, David's also been standing on the other side of the door holding his sword. Everyone is holding their swords like a gun. And it's so funny to me in this episode, because they're all holding it. It's far from their body pointed, like it's going to fire at any moment. (laughs) It's like, because that's not how swords work. Why are you all doing it? Yes, because Charming comes in and he is also part of the scheme. Uh, The two of them did fight, but then they worked it out because that's what you do in a marriage. It's what you do in a relationship. You know what? Words of wisdom. I have to wonder why they needed to do this right now. Why didn't they just not, not? Arthur didn't know they had the dagger. They could have just kept him not knowing. Did they think maybe they were running out of time with Emma? Yeah, this this seemed... I mean, to be fair, though. I mean, I'm proud of what they did. But at the root of it, it was poor planning by the Charmings, which is very on brand for them. <laughs> so true. Because, yes, they, they, they kidnap Arthur. They're like, we, we now know the truth about you. I don't need that chair. I've got something better. I've got domestic bliss. <laughs> I It's fine. Snow, where's the baby? The what? Oh, no. <laughs> it's I fine. Do... Doc's, Doc's got him. Yeah, this is fine. Oh, we didn't see the dwarves at all this episode. We uh, also did not see Zelina. We didn't see Belle. We didn't see the babies. Wild. We briefly saw uh, Robin. Yeah, we did briefly see Robin. Um, I do I do like Charming's like, it's like you can't. You can't convince me with a fancy chair and a title. Sir, we all watched last week's episode. <laughs> you look like you were about to piss yourself with excitement. Like, don't try to act like you were in on this the whole time. Because until your wife left while this ceremony was happening, you all thought this was on the up and up. So, 
this had very, I'm not going to take that job because it's not the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing for me to go work for that company. They didn't offer you the job, but I'm not taking it. It's on principle. No, it feels like it's like you interviewed for the job and then you got there and you looked at your desk and went, you know what? No, I'm taking a stand. I won't work here. You can't make me. How dare you think I would lower myself? It's like, you got a parking pass. You were here. <laughs> what happened between here and the water cooler? Um, yeah. So they, they, yeah, they take him to Granny's. Um, in, in, they've got him in handcuffs. You got him sitting. And, and shit on they're... Granny's meatloaf for some reason. How, how dare, how dare Why you? Why are we, they're... what do and they think that everything is all going to work out, but Arthur's got that smug son of a bitch look on his face. Because guess who shows up? It's Guinevere and all the soldiers. And Lancelot's like, my lady, my love. And she's just like, I don't know you. I don't like you. I've got this whole magic thing up on my person that makes me hate you. And so I'm going to use my ma- this. I still have magic dust. We still have so much dust left, you guys. We still have so much. I, they, I'm falling in my chair. So they much were, dust. It's a very big dramatic fall she's doing. She's gone. She's out of the camera. She's gone. I Beth guess. is I fell fully all the way down. I was down. I was just down. It's a very good, uh, very good sight gag for our, our site podcast. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so, she Abby, says some things can be just visuals. for us. Some things oh, can be just oh, for I you know. and me. It's so wonderful. I think I like narrating them better. It's just like, and Beth is falling, and she's now completely off the screen. <laughs> because you are correct. Um, in and you know what just to just to just to try to help here and to bring star wars back into the conversation anakin skywalker doesn't like sand because it gets everywhere because it's like a little bit of it you've got it in your shoes forever if you've ever been like in a beach house or something you can never get all of the sand off your body so maybe a small vial of sand just absolutely gets everywhere you can just use a little bit and it goes everywhere yeah, that. Yeah. Why That's couldn't it have helped fix Granny's diner? You know, yeah. they needed to get home, fix that tornado. Yeah. Maybe fix Lancelot. You know, they could have also done the the thing on Lancelot too. He could have maybe been fixed in some way. I don't know. If you have this big illusion spell that can do anything, just do it to everybody. Yeah, I'm sure there's like all these other stories of like the times that he's used this. Um, for innocuous ways. <laughs> like, also wouldn't... I guess maybe he wouldn't have had it in Storybrooke to be able to, like, somehow give it to the guy be- instead of killing him. No, because that was a green liquid. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't he been able to use that instead of killing the guy? Yeah, I don't think he has it. It, it wasn't in the reliquary. I think they've used... They've used it up, but it, maybe okay. we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. Well, but, yes. So Charming and Mary Margaret have had their 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 broken trust fixed. Big quotation marks. Big quotations. Big quotation. And they head back to Regina and Robin, and they're like, "We got to fix the sword." Arthur's totes cool. Lancelot's in the dungeon where he belongs. He's making a new BFF. Her name is Merida. We know her. Also, she hates King Arthur, so something else is going on there. 
And Abby, why don't you take us back to Storybrooke in present day? Emma's got her, she's starting her Dreamcatcher collection. We're going to learn more about that next week. Duck Emma. She's, she's holding her little buddy. flower. She's holding her little flower. Mm-hmm. And, and up over her shoulder is Rumple, And he is tied up. Uh, his hands are tied, like, to the thing. And he's kind of talking to her, like, listen, I get it. I understand, like, the call of the darkness. But, like, what are we doing here? And then so she says something I think is kind of cool. She was like, you're basically an unsharpened knife. Like, I just need to sharpen you in the way that I need to uh, so that you could do what I need you to do. Don't worry. I know a person who can teach you. Everything leading up to the final line is hysterical to me. So we go, we've got Merida. She's like in the beetle. I don't know how we got her. She's tied to the front. We got Merida tied to the front. Yeah, but which is also similar to how Rumple is tied up. Like, is this the only way Emma knows how to tie people up? Like, it's weird. Anyway, so we've tied, we have Merida tied up. And she's like, oh, well, you're going to help me. And she was like, like hell I am. And so then Emma rips Merida's heart out and loosens, uh, takes the ropes off of her because now where's she going to go? Emma has her heart. And she's like, no, no, no. I need you. Uh, She's like, why? What could you possibly need me for? I need you to train somebody to be just like you. I need you to teach him to be. And I swear to God, she should have just looked straight into the camera. Brave. (laughs) Brave. I need you to be brave. And they should have played that one song. Oh, no. What's the song? I I want to see you be brave. Just want to see you. That one? Yeah, that's the one. I want to see you. One mind. We have one mind. It's amazing. Oh, it's been in my my head since I watched the episode. It's been in my head this whole podcast. One mind, one mind. So, yes, yeah, so that's how we close up the episode. Is that Merida? I'm I'm laughing hysterically that I misunderstood. I misremembered so heavily how the rump retraining of Rumple went in my brain because I thought it was Belle and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and apparently it's Emma and Merida. <laughs> Some wires got crossed in my brain. Once upon a time can always surprise you. <laughs> Even with things I've already seen. <laughs> exactly. This this show takes us on journeys. And we want to thank you for joining us on this journey for this latest episode. Season 5, episode 4, The Broken Kingdom. The kingdom that's broken and fixed quotation marks. Overall, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, it's okay. This is, it's fun. Had a good time. There's some progress that we got on the plot um in the scary sands this just wasn't bad i'm glad that the bait and switch was the charmings aren't idiots like it's like but then they were surprise. also idiots in a different way so they yeah, were still I, idiots listen the world does need to balance so they can't can't be too early. but yeah this is good episode it's a fun episode it's fun we'll go with fun it was fun and we got pirates and ponies can we can can the world be a wrong place, a bad place if we get pirates and ponies? Absolutely not. 
All right. Well, we want to thank all of you for joining us for this latest episode, especially our patrons. We've got our beautiful, wonderful Swan Queen patrons. This week's shout out goes to Ryan Gregoricus. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you listen to your wonderful, beautiful podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we're going to be back next week with season five, episode of five, Dreamcatcher. So thank you so much for joining us and Abby. We will see you next week. Boo. (laughs) Yay! I panicked! I panicked!